the FBI, should we look into Antifa, BLM, you know, all the violence and rioting that occurred? Nah, 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 we better check on the Catholics. Meanwhile, in New Zealand, well-known or prominent conspiracy theorist, quote-unquote, Liz Gunn was arrested, but then not arrested. It's a very strange story. And 70 years ago, Roald Dahl, he said the word fat. And so now he is cancelled. So we're going to go into all of those things in just one moment. But first, as always, welcome to another episode of the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast. Commentary, comedy and conversation. Reminder to like, share, subscribe, comment, rate and blow me a little kiss into your phone. Okay, I think we'll start today with this with this Liz Gunn story that is coming out of New Zealand. And I know the anti-gun people in America are probably thinking, Liz Gunn? Is, this, is he talking about firearms here? No, no, I'm talking about a woman. I don't know if she has actual firearms on her. I don't know if her appendages can do that. If she's some sort of female superhero type of lady. I, don't, I haven't gone that far into the research. But... Um, from my understanding no it doesn't involve firearms so conspiracy theorist this is just what the mainstream media in new zealand call her liz gunn reportedly arrested after melee at auckland airport now this woman i think's in her 60s i don't think she was out there brawling i could be wrong don't know it's a very strange story but this is from news hub reported in various media in new zealand including the alternative and independent media but this is william hewitt for News Hub, and he's reported saying former TV host and conspiracy theorist Liz Gunn has reportedly been arrested at Auckland Airport after a melee on Saturday night. Now, Liz Gunn, if you don't know if you're outside of New Zealand, she was, as it says here, a former TV host. She was on New Zealand's breakfast show in the early 2000s, and she actually quit uh, live on air at that time. And She's become quite prominent over the last three years as being one of the outspoken anti-jab, anti-mandate people. So Gunn and a cameraman had reportedly been attempting to film the arrival of a family who had been kept in lockdown in Tokelau after refusing the jab, according to Countessman Media Facebook posts. Now, police said they were called to the Auckland International Airport at 7.15pm after a report of an assault. Police did not name the pair, but confirmed the arrests of a 49-year-old man and a 63-year-old woman a spokesperson said the pair had been trespassed from the airport and had been summoned to appear in court at a later date in relation to the alleged assault trespass and resisting police counterspin claims gun and the cameraman were prevented from filming and had their camera confiscated on their facebook post they wrote they were then cuffed and removed from the arrival terminal where they spoke to police for almost an hour now, Liz Gunn released a statement on Sunday morning claiming she is awaiting x-ray results for her injuries on her arm, elbow, shoulder and neck caused when she was arrested on Saturday. And then I saw an article the next day, so this was, so this is an article from the 26th on Sunday, 26th of February. Then I saw, actually later that day, another article popped up saying Liz Gunn refutes that she's been arrested. And then I saw a post on Operation People, which is kind of an independent New Zealand, not really news outlet, but 
I, I hesitate to use the word activist because I don't really I don't like that term, but you know they're on the freedom side of things and they've been very involved with the Marston Point shutdown. They've been protesting and trying to get that well not to happen. But they posted a picture of Liz Gunn in a in a sling, her arms in a sling. She's smiling away, but she's clearly been injured somehow. So just a very very strange story. She was there covering the people that are coming in from Tokelau who were locked down and stuck in Tokelau because they refused the jab. This is a story that I've seen over and over over the last sort of two years and the mainstream media never really talked about it but there were people in Tokelau that they looked like they were just basically under house arrest for months and it's only a small little island and then the New Zealand Navy went out there as well I think to bring the jabs the medicines so it was a very interesting story and I didn't actually realize that those people had been well were flying into Auckland so they clearly were covering that and I don't know we can speculate what happened did someone see Liz and have a go at them because of what she stands for and there was a a melee as the media is reporting I have no idea so I guess we'll find out over the coming weeks but very strange of course they have to label her as a conspiracy theorist i did read a few posts on reddit new zealand reddit about all the, all of this as well and i'll just tell you reddit in general a very toxic place worse than twitter in my mind just a lot of hatred on that platform when it comes to things like this but look all the best to liz and we'll find out hopefully this week what actually happened we'll get some more reports straight from the horse's mouth i don't mean that that is an insult liz I'm sure you have a beautiful mouth. I'm going to move on to the next story now. Speaking of mouths, straight out of a, a can't help myself whistleblower, straight out of a whistleblower's mouth, a whistleblower from the FBI. Traditional Catholics were being targeted, reported widely over the last couple of weeks. This one's from the New York Post. Dana Kennedy. Traditional Catholics slam appalling FBI report linking them to white nationalists. So an eight-page dossier leaked by former FBI agent Kyle Serafin earlier this month indicated that the FBI's Richmond VA office at the behest of the DOJ was going after radical traditional Catholics and their possible ties to, quote, the far-right nationalist movement. Now, I don't think this article actually says it, but the dossier, they were radical Catholic extremists, I think they called them. They had an acronym anyway, RCE. And you know when a group gets an acronym that, I mean, it's usually a sign that these security agencies and the the deep state and things are taking it seriously and really actually looking into it, getting little code words and acronyms in there. So the FBI's Richmond division would like to protect Virginians from the threat of white supremacy, which it believes has found a home within Catholics who prefer the Latin mass. Seraphin wrote on UncoverDC.com where he leaked the memo. <laughs> they prefer tradition and the Latin mass. Oh no, they must be extremists. Unbelievable. The dossier, which was put together with help from the Southern Poverty Law Centre's list of alleged, quote, hate groups with Catholic ties, has since been deleted after a media backlash. The memo did not make clear if it was just so-called rad trad Catholics that the FBI was targeting, or traditional Catholics who prefer the Latin Mass as well. Now, I don't have any idea what rad trad 
Catholics were. And then I came over to the the Atlantic article, and it says, How extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary. They really are going after Christians in all manner. And it says here, Why are sacramental beads suddenly showing up next to AR-15s online? Gee, I don't know. Maybe there are just some people that have guns and rosary beads and posted them. Maybe this could potentially just be a bit of a psyop going on. And I'm not going to read this article, but I'll I'll read the intro. It says, Just as the AR-15 rifle has become a sacred object for Christian nationalists in general... What? Um... The rosary has acquired a materi- uh, militaristic. The rosary has acquired a militaristic meaning for radical, traditional, or radtrad Catholics on this extremist fringe. Rosary beads have been woven into conspiratorial politics and absolutist gun culture. These armed radical traditionalists have taken up a spiritual notion that the rosary can be a weapon in the fight against evil and turned turned it into something dangerously literal. The rosary has always been, in Catholics, in the Catholic's mind, the rosary has always been a weapon in the fight against evil. So you've just spun this into guns, and you're going to wrap Catholicism, Christians in general, and gun culture all into one. Just amazing what the media can do and what journalists do. Uh, they even say here that um, influences on platforms such as Instagram share posts referencing everyday carry and gat check that includes soldiers battle beads handguns and assault rifles one artist even posts illustrations of his favorite catholic saints clergy and influences toting ar-15 style rifles now i'm sure this is where the new zealand media and the was it the fire and fury documentary was its name and other stories they've done in the media over here i'm sure they've got it from this type of thing from the american reporting and the american spin Anyway, back to the New York Post article. So, Serafin, he, the FBI whistleblower, he told the Post that when he first saw the memo, he thought it was an appalling violation of the First Amendment. Quote, as a Catholic and a former agent, it was yet another example of the FBI trying to pick winners and losers in an arena it is forbidden to engage in. It also shows how woefully out of touch the FBI's intel cadre are compared to regular people who never consider this type of connection between Catholics and white supremacists remotely fathomable. And chief law enforcement officers from 20 states also sent a letter to the U.S. Attorney General, Merrick Garland, condemning what they call the anti-Catholic document. Quote, the memorandum deploys alarmingly detailed theological distinctions to distinguish between the Catholics who the FBI deems acceptable and those it does not, the letter read. But the damage was done, according to several traditional Catholics interviewed by The Post. So a spokesperson, who I cannot pronounce the name of, Attila Sinka Guimares of Tradition and Action, so the spokesperson of Tradition and Action, one of the groups mentioned in the memo, uh, said, it's an empty accusation of the Southern Poverty Law Centre, and I wonder why the FBI uses such a biased organisation as the source of the document. Now, on their group's news site, it says that... um, that it's not the first time Tradition and Action has been targeted by the SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Centre, adding, what this new episode reflects is that we are leaving the regime of democratic liberty and respect for one's beliefs and entering the dark zone of a growing dictatorship. I think we all saw that from 2020 onwards. The majority of traditional Catholics do not go along with many or 
all of the reforms introduced by the Second Vatican Council and instead worship according to traditional Roman Catholic rites, including the extraordinary form of the Mass. Now, included in this group is actor Mel Gibson, who has been open about his traditionalist Catholic views and even built his own church in the hills above Malibu. This is, you know how they went after Mel Gibson years ago, probably a decade ago, and I know he's, I don't know he's said things, and I'm sure he regrets things that he's done, but they really went after Mel Gibson, and he's kind of been slandered throughout, well, the last, that I've paid attention anyway, the last 10 years, probably longer. Makes a lot more sense now when you start understanding who he is, I guess. And of course he released The Passion of the Christ, and there's a new one coming out too, Passion of the Christ 2. I'm not sure what that's about, or where that's going to go. Must be to do with the Acts of the Apostles after the resurrection, but I haven't actually looked into it. But anyway, The Passion of the Christ 2 is coming out uh, this year. So included in this group is actor Mel Gibson, blah, 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 open his own church, um, where the congregation follows the Roman Catholic faith as it was practiced before the reforms and modernization by the Second Vatican Council of 1962-65. to Mel's father, Hutton Gibson, who died at age 101 in 2020, was called an extremist for his radical Catholic views and his obituary in the New York Times, He moved his family from the US to Australia in 1968 and started his own Catholic splinter group, the Alliance for Catholic Tradition. Quote, I go to an all pre-Vatican II Latin mass, Hutton told USA Today in 2001. There was a lot of talk, particularly in the 60s, of, wow, we've got to change with the times, but the creator instituted something very specific and we can't just go change it. Now I know, if you're a Christian listening to this, there's a lot of debate about the church, about Christianity, I'm not an expert on it. I don't know. I'm only just starting to look into all of that myself. A lot of debate between Catholics and the Orthodox Church, and then, of course, the Protestants, and all the various denominations that spawned out of that. I'm not getting into it right now, anyway, because I'm a newbie when it comes to that. But look, anyway, very, very interesting leak coming out of the FBI and it's while it's not surprising it's still one of those things that is shocking to read about in the mainstream media and to see to kind of have suspicions confirmed about what's going on and speaking of suspicions confirmed this is not something that we suspect this is something we know is going on a cultural revolution the woke revolution got to change all the words we got to go full 1984 because we just never learn our lessons as people you may have heard the story. Roald Dahl books, they've been changed because there's a lot of, there's a lot of hate speech. There's a lot of words that, uh, that, are, that are offensive. You know, fat, you can't use the word fat anymore. That's, that's offensive to people that have eaten too much cake. All right? Not good. So reported widely again, this is from NPR, because why not go to the woke source? Jacqueline Diaz, or although it's spelt Jacelyn Diaz. Oh no, that's Jacqueline. It's just in all capitals. Jacqueline. It just look, it just looks like a weird spelling. I'm gonna change some words. Maybe we should start changing some people's spelling of their names so we can all kind of be clear on how to pronounce them. This is probably a hate crime in the future, so I apologize uh to Jacqueline for wanting to change her name. Anyway, Roald Dahl. Speaking of weird names, but memorable. New editions of legendary books by British author Roald Dahl are being edited 
to remove words that could be deemed offensive to some readers, according to the late writer's company. He wrote books such as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Now, British newspaper The Telegraph first reported that the publishers of Dale's books, Puffin, made hundreds of changes to original texts of the author's well-known children's books. Now, this continuing changing of books, they even, like Disney does the same thing for, I know that classic Simpsons episodes, one featured Michael Jackson's voice, and he was a this big fat, am I allowed to say that? I'm going to say it anyway, big fat white dude who thought he was Michael Jackson and put on his voice in a mental institution. Anyway, as a, are we allowed to say mental institution? Is that still acceptable? I'm still going to use it, I'm just asking. Um, so it was one of the earlier seasons, season three or something. Look, Old Simpsons, Classic Simpsons, one to about eight or nine, the seasons. Very funny, still holds up in my view. Um, great writing. I could go on about that, Old Simpsons. Grew up with that. But the old ones are still funny. Uh, but Disney doesn't have that. Last I checked, doesn't have that episode on Disney Plus. So this is what this is what's happening. We're in modern modern day book burning, modern day media entertainment burning in general is what's it's digital. We've got everything digitized, and so things like that can be cancelled without us even really knowing. Things just get memory hold. I mean, how many people would even watch that and realize that there was an episode missing? So finding the older copies, DVDs and CDs and books and things and having the ability to be able to use, well, particularly DVDs with DVD players, etc. But old books and old copies of things, that's where you're going to get the originals because they are just being constant. When, when they reprint things like this, you just don't know. You don't know what's being changed and what's been slipped in there propaganda-wise. Anyway, back to the article. The character, Augustus Gloop, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is no longer called fat. Instead, he is described as enormous, the Telegraph reports. Instead of being called small men, Oompa Loompas are now small people, the article says. What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. Oompa Loompa. Further, the changes to these books include adding language not originally written by Dahl. In his 1983 book, The Witches, he writes that witches are bald beneath their wigs. According to The Telegraph, an added line in new editions says, quote, There are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Oh, it just flows off the tongue. Horrible, horrible storytelling. They're just butchering the story now. We're quickly getting to a time where all these new books are going to have to describe while they they might make a joke and they're going to have to describe in the book, have a little, you know, star and a note down the bottom saying, while some people do have little ears, um, it's, it's quite normal and uh, there's nothing wrong with having little ears. We just put that in there because it fit in with the story, but we just want to make sure that all our little-eared brethren um, are feeling comfortable. Okay? Good. And we apologise for any offence. Now back to the story. Not sure why I went with little ears when Dumbo has massive floppy ears. That's where my brain went. Now the Roald Dahl Story Company told the Associated Press that it worked with Puffin to review the books out of a desire to ensure, quote, Dahl's wonderful stories and characters continue to be enjoyed by all children today. Uh, how long before we get an LGBT Roald Dahl book that he had nothing to do with? How long before Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is just one big gay pride celebration when they get into the factory. 
just Oompa Loompas twerking everywhere. The girl that turns into a blueberry turns into a boy. I don't want to give them any ideas. But how, how far are we away from that type of thing? The company said it worked with Inclusive Minds, an organisation that works for inclusivity in children's books. Yeah, we're not far away from all that happening, are we? Changes were, quote, small and carefully considered, the company told the AP. The changes have, however, drawn criticism from advocacy groups, readers and writers. Susan Nossel, what a great name, Nossel, CEO of the free expression advocacy group Pen America called the changes alarming, quote, amidst fierce battles against book bans and strictures on what can be taught and read, selective editing to make works of literature conform to particular sensibilities could represent a dangerous new weapon, she tweeted. Those who might cheer specific edicts to Dale's work should consider how powerful the rewrite books might be used in the hands of those who do not share their values and sensibilities. Now, renowned author Salman Rushdie stepped in as well, calling the changes censorship. And, yeah, well, of course it is. So there you go. Of course, they also mention, you know, his work's revered, but he was a controversial figure, something about anti-Semitism, comments that he made. I have no idea about any of that. Um, But this is censorship, and this is what we can expect. And look, it does remind me of the previous episode talking about the Church of England and getting all-inclusive in their language and gender-neutral language the our father and mother and actually talking to that um my tinfoil hat hi if you're listening hello uh trish she actually commented and she made a good point i should really post the when i put episodes out i should really put it on um not just stories on social media but an actual post so people can see it good point um she she said how would they well when i was talking about how would they introduced this gender neutral language and i said in the name of the they the them and the two spirit she commented and said our parent who art in heaven gender neutral be thy name i believe in they and that they were born of the birthing person mary which i think it's just there's a lot of thought gone into that trish and i appreciate it very funny and i always try to end the show with something positive something a bit lighter and a bit of a joke maybe so that is the end of this episode thank you for listening to another brilliant informative hilarious podcast that is the arriving somewhere with matt J podcast commentary comedy and conversation and i will talk to you again soon Bye.